you, Sai. Always a privilege to preach. Sure. I brought this up because I'm a little bit sweaty. Um, I am so grateful to all of our City Kids workers. Thank you for all the time and energy that you give to our children here at City. Um, you are amazing and you just give uh, everything. We love you. Um, but I want to just say thank you so, so, so much for what you do. Um, welcome to anybody who's visiting for the first time today. Great to have you as well. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Vaughan and I'm one of the pastors here at City. And as Simon said, we're in week two of our Advent series. And I want to really just strongly, when I say strongly, I mean strongly, strongly encourage you to catch up on last week's preach. James preached the first uh, week and uh, it was an incredible preach that really ministered deeply into the hearts of people. People uh, who at the end of this year, but maybe they even came into this year feeling weary, feeling dry, feeling like they were in a desert place. And um, we heard last, last week that God is our, our place where we can go to quench our thirst. And I am uh, encouraging, if you weren't here, to make sure uh, that you listen to uh, that preach from, from, from last week. I want to just also welcome everybody that's joining us uh, online. Um, you guys must be here next week uh, if you're wanting to get a little bit of a workout with the City Kids uh, singing. Uh, make sure you're here. You can set your watches, get your steps in, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, anyway, we are in an Advent series. Some of you might not be familiar with that particular term, Advent. It really just means coming. And what the early church fathers would do is they would say, take some time at this time of the year, they would just take some time to slow down. Slow down and consider who Jesus is and what it is that Jesus has done for them, what it is that Jesus means to them. And that's because when Jesus came, hope came. When Jesus came, peace came, love came. Jesus uh, brought salvation and forgiveness to the earth on our behalf when he stepped into our world. And it would be crazy because I speak to a lot of people who are wanting hope or wanting peace or wanting somebody to love them or needing forgiveness from God. And yet at this time of the year when we celebrate His coming, there's so much busyness and, and, and holiday uh, vibes that we can sometimes miss Jesus, the one who actually brings us hope. And so uh, I love what the early church fathers did in terms of slowing down to consider Jesus. But you know, sometimes when we've got to slow down and we've been through a tough year, there's all kinds of things that make it difficult for our hearts sometimes to receive Him, to really prepare our hearts to receive Him. There's some people sitting here today and your hearts are broken. They're sad. You're carrying a whole lot of cares and concerns. You're overwhelmed. You're full of worry and you're full of anxiety. I'm hoping today that as I share from a psalm that I love, that I've turned to on many occasions in my darkest and hardest seasons of life, that it will help you and give you some tools and some understanding so that your heart can be prepared even in the midst of what you might be facing in your emotional space or in your circumstances to be able to receive from Jesus this advent. And so the psalm I'm going to be looking at is Psalm 91. And so if you've got your Bibles or you've got your phones, otherwise, if you don't, you can follow with me up on the screens. Psalm 91. 
Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come to your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. As I said, this is a psalm that I've turned to regularly. It's a psalm that has ministered to the deepest parts of my heart in different seasons of my life and over the years. The first time this psalm ministered to my heart uh, was when my mom passed away when I was 19 years old. She had cancer and she passed away at 19. And some of the things that I learned when I went uh, through the psalm then um, have helped me as I've gone into other seasons because troubles come our way. It's not like we sometimes just get one trouble and then that's it, you've had your share. Sometimes you have more than uh, one trouble. And I remember going to the psalm uh, when my best friend passed away in his early 20s. I remember again going to the psalm when I was retrenched in 2003 and then again in 2008. When my dad passed away and Lola's mom passed away uh, more recently in 2019 and 2020, this was a psalm that I went to. When I feel discouraged and when I feel disillusioned, when I think to myself that God has forgotten me, this is a psalm that I come to. I wonder if uh, some of you here today might think to yourself, God's forgotten me. You know that even pastors sometimes can think God has forgotten them? Because we're just people at the end of the day, right? Well, God hasn't forgotten us. That's the good news this morning. Many of us sitting here today, have concerns that you're carrying in your heart, concerns for the, for the country, concerns maybe for the economy. Maybe you have concerns for your work or you've already been thrown into a difficult season in your workplace. Maybe you don't, you, you've lost your job. Maybe you're concerned for your, your future if you're a young person. Maybe somebody here has, has all of a sudden fallen ill and you're concerned for your deteriorating health. Maybe there's somebody in your family that you're really concerned for today. See, the thing is, when our heart is full of cares and concerns, sometimes what can happen is it fills up every part of our heart space. And before we know it, we're overwhelmed with all kinds of emotions. But I really feel like Jesus today is wanting to come into those heart spaces. 
He's wanting to come into those heart spaces, all of those emotional places where your heart feels so tender and so broken. He's wanting to come into those places and he's wanting to begin to bring healing and hope and peace and fresh courage to your heart today. And when I say begin, it's because I've come to realize God can do something in a moment of time because he's God. But more often than not, it's a little bit of a journey. And if we commit to the journey and allow him to minister to our hearts over time, we, we, we will find peace and courage coming. But I believe he's wanting to start today, start in some of our hearts that are in a desperate um, place. And so we're going to look at the psalm under two headings. The first is what it's not, and the second is what it is. Before I do, I'm just going to pray. Father, I want to say thank you today for your word. I want to say thank you that you sent your son into this, uh, into this world um, and you sent him to come and die. Lord, I want to say thank you that you sent him to come and die so that we could have relationship with God, so that we could have relationship with the God who cares, who forgives, who can deliver. Lord, I want to pray, uh, Lord, that you would speak to people's hearts today. You know each person's heart. You know what they're carrying, what they're facing. And Lord, I simply want to ask that you would meet them where they're at and help them to take steps forward today, Lord. Lord, give them some hope and some peace and some courage in their hearts again. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's take a look at what it's not. This psalm is not a guarantee. It's not saying that if we are faithful followers of Jesus, we get an automatic guarantee to a pain-free life. Nor is it a free pass. It's not a free pass to no suffering in this world. So it's not a guarantee, but it's also not a litmus test. In other words, if our lives don't look like this psalm, it's not a lit litmus test revealing our faith. It's not a litmus test for our faith. See, people will often come to us and say, where's your God in this situation? If he's so strong, why didn't he help you in this situation? Or... Worse yet, they'll come to you and they'll say to you, if your faith was big enough or if you had more faith, you would have found God protecting you. Your life would have looked like Psalm 91, but it's because you don't have enough faith. That is why this is going on. Well, uh, God doesn't look at it that way. I'm so glad he doesn't. God doesn't view it in that way when we go through difficult uh, situations or trials. This is what it says in James 1. Two to four, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we face trials, it's not a sign of weak faith. When we face trials, it's opportunity to grow in our maturity in Jesus. It's not a litmus test either for our being his children. The fact that I'm a child of God, I love him, I'm following him, it's not proved or disproved by the fact that our life is going smoothly or badly right now. Romans 8 verse 15 to 17 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed 
We share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, this verse clearly tells us that sons and daughters, children, uh, children of God, those who are known as heirs, share in his suffering. So it's not a litmus test for our being his children. It's also not a litmus test for his love for us. God's love for me is not proved or disproved by whether I'm facing suffering or not. We've already had him prove his love for us. And here is how he proved his love to us. 1 John 4 verse 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. God loved us. He made a way to himself through his son. We could have never made that way. So he's already shown his love for us. So in your time of suffering, I want to encourage you not to allow the enemy of our souls, the devil, to take God's word and cause you to question your, your amount of faith. Because actually God says a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain, by the way. So don't question the amount of your faith. Don't question whether you are a child of God. And don't question whether God loves you. When we allow those questions to arise, what happens is it drives us away from God when what God is really wanting in our difficult seasons is for us to draw near to Him. I would say to you, when you're going through a difficult season, have your antenna up. Be alert. Be alert to the fact that the devil is wanting to take out your trust and your faith in God. It's his one objective, to take you from a place of trusting and putting your faith in God to not doing that at all. He's wanting you to run away from hope and love rather than love, run towards it. And so that's what I see as what the psalm is not, but uh, here is what I think it is. I believe it's an invitation to dwell with our refuge. I'm going to say that again, an invitation for you and I to dwell with our refuge. Verse 1 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Because he loves me, verse 14 says, the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. I love that little word, whoever. Whoever loves him, whoever dwells with him, will find rest under his shadow. If you love Jesus today, then he's inviting you into his presence, into a place of dwelling with him. And when you do, you're going to know rest. Not necessarily that you will be free from trouble. Do you hear what I said? Not necessarily that you will be free from trouble, but that you will know rest in the midst of trouble. That word, whoever, says to me, whoever, whoever loves, no other criteria. We don't have to know everything about God. We don't have to act a certain way. Our, our feelings don't have to be in a certain place. We don't have to be these hectically mature followers of Jesus in order to come and dwell in his presence. If we are a whoever, that's the criteria. Whoever loves him can come and dwell. 
and we're invited to dwell. That word, word dwell in this verse means to take a personal, a permanent residence in. In other words, to stay in his presence. Make it your permanent place of living in every season. In the good seasons, in the bad seasons, you and I are invited to come and dwell in the Father's house, to come and dwell in the Father's presence. And I believe when we accept that invitation to dwell, we receive three things. The first thing I believe we receive is we are received in his presence. I'm sure you've been into somebody's presence and uh, as you walk in, you recognize and you think to yourself, shish, I shouldn't have arrived today. Um, they are irritable. They are frustrated. They are uh, distracted. You kind of get this feeling, don't stay here too long, just leave. And even if they in invite you and say, would you like some tea? You know you've got to drink that tea and coffee like this and then leave because you don't feel very welcome. Have you ever been in somebody's presence like that? You just know they're looking around. They don't really want to talk, all of that stuff. Well, that's not what the sense of this verse is. The sense of this verse is that if you dwell, you will rest under his shadow. See, dwelling in God's presence is restful and it's close and it's relational because it's so close, close enough for you to rest in his shadow. Have you thought about that? It's so close and so relational that we get to rest in his shadow. John 4 verse 8 says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's just God's nature. When we move towards the invited well, he more than meets us and comes near to us. Love the story of the prodigal. He's wasted his inheritance on sinful living. He comes to his senses, thinks to himself, I'm going to return to the Father's house. I'm going to return to the Father's presence. All he's got to offer the Father, father is what, his, his sin and, and, and an apology, an element of repentance. Little did he know that the Father had been waiting, waiting for him to return, looking out over the road, looking down the road, waiting expectantly for the day that he would see his son on the horizon and then he knew he was going to run towards his son. You see, we can, we, we can come to God and he runs towards us. When my mom passed away, I was obviously heartbroken, full of grief. I couldn't believe it. 19, you've got all of those questions. Now she can't be at my wedding and, and, and. This psalm had been a psalm that I turned to on many occasions over the years and a psalm that I'd stood on on many occasions over the years. I think it's because when I was uh, little, as we were growing up, my dad would always read this psalm and then pray, this, uh, pray afterwards whenever we went on a long holiday trip. And so it was kind of inbred and God had always protected us in our travels. But now when the plague and the pestilence of cancer came, my mom passed away. Can you see the turmoil a little bit that was going on inside of my heart as I thought about that? But I want to say I, I was in a church community amongst the people of God. That's really important when we're going through a difficult season. Sometimes we want to isolate ourselves from the very people who are able to help us, help us to move us towards God. 
that church community, those people helped me to walk with my pain and my grief towards God. They encouraged me uh, towards Him. Actually, what they were doing without me realizing it then is they were encouraging me to dwell in God's presence. I came with a huge amount of different emotions as I walked to God. The grief and the heartache was one, but anger was another. God, I can't believe that you never healed my mom. And then there was doubt and questioning. God, this verse that we stood on, what's up there? Can I tell you, though, that as I moved towards God, he received me. He received me with all the heartache, but he received me with the anger I was feeling towards him. He received me with the doubt and the questions that I was carrying in my heart. See, when we run into God's presence and choose to dwell there, we come with all of who we are, and he receives all of who we are, which is what's so beautiful about God. So we receive his, uh, he, he receives us in his presence. Next point is we receive his nurture. See, until my mom's passing, this psalm had just been a psalm about how big God is. Big in the sense of he's powerful enough to save, deliver, um, protect. But going through this season and reading the psalm again, I was realizing that God is so much more than just big to deliver. He is as big. He's as big to nurture and care for us when we go into those difficult seasons. Verse four says this, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I love this. This is what it says to me. It says that he's not distant, but he's close. Under his wings, it says. It says that I'm not alone, not by myself, but God is with me. Comforting and embracing. It says that he covers me with his feathers. That's like really close. If you think about a bird, to be covered by the bird's wings, one thing. To be covered by its feathers, it's like right up close. You get that sense of he is embracing and he is comforting. As I dwelt in his presence, read his word, I saw verses like this. Matthew 5 verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I saw that he wasn't wanting me to quickly get over my sadness. I saw that he wanted to comfort me and that he classified that as opportunity for him to bless me. When we mourn and we need comfort and God wants to give it, he sees it as a way of blessing me. As I received his comfort, I found that I was able to also come to him with my emotions of anger and questions and doubt. And he was patient with me. He didn't turn me away. He loved me, didn't write me off, didn't think I was a hopeless case. You see, his presence was a safe place to dwell with my grief and my pain. And I think sometimes we log that. God's a safe place to dwell with our grief and pain. But he was equally a safe place to dwell 
with the emotions of doubt and anger that I was feeling. There's some of you in this place today that need to recognize that God wants to meet you even in those emotions that you're carrying. I was discovering that I had always seen him as a refuge from the storm or refuge from trouble when in fact he's also a refuge in the midst of trouble. And I could be myself with him. Didn't have to hide my emotions. Didn't have to come to him and say, God, I'm just looking for the, the best days are ahead. I could come with the depths of my emotions and be real with him. And he would often offer answer me as I spoke to him. Through his word, verse 13 says this, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. He was helping me to see that having a refuge is not so much about the absence of trouble. Having a refuge is about having the presence of a savior in the midst of trouble. But can I say this? Having a refuge isn't just about having a savior and his presence in the midst of trouble. It's having a savior and his presence in the midst of everyday life. When we have troubles and we ha- when we have no troubles. And so I could come with my questions, and, and, and I did. Uh, I alluded to it earlier on, uh, and I'll read those verses now. But the question that I had is, how do these verses that I'm about to read work now, God? Psalm 91, verse 5 to 7, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I thought, Lord, it felt like it did come near us. Came so near that my mom passed away. How does this work now, God? I thought this wasn't supposed to happen to people that love you. But as I brought these questions to him over time, he answered those questions. As I read his word, I saw that there were people who loved Jesus, like Job and Paul and many others. And they went through difficult times. In fact, Jesus uh, said this. In John 16, verse 13, I have told you these things so that you you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is clear. In this world, we will have trouble. But it's in the midst of that trouble that we have Jesus. Love this passage of scripture in Acts 7 verse 59. It really spoke to my heart in those days. It says, as Stephen was being stoned to death, he called out, Lord Jesus, please welcome me. He knelt down and shouted, Lord, don't blame them for what they have done. And then he died. Stephen was facing the worst kind of trouble. And yet what does he do in his moment? He remembers the God he loves. He remembers that God loves him. He chooses in that moment when people are hurling stones at him to dwell in God's presence. Wasn't in a building like this. We don't need a building like this to dwell in God's presence. He was there being stoned by people. And in that place, he chose to dwell in God's presence. Did you see what he did? He was speaking to God, praying to God. Asking God to forgive those who had done this to him. Asking God to welcome him 
home. What a beautiful picture. I want to just make sure before I go into our next point that you have logged that God cares about how we are feeling today. Sometimes when it comes to us thinking about God as refuge, we one faceted in our thinking of that. We think it's a refuge who delivers, but is also a refuge who embraces and comforts. And I really believe God wants us to get both today. He wants us to get that he's a refuge who delivers, but I think there's some of us here today that desperately need to get that he is a refuge who comforts. Because maybe the storm has happened. And what you're really needing today is a refuge is gonna comfort your heart that is broken. And so you might be asking, how do I approach this psalm now? Have I written it off? Have I thrown it out? Become all fatalistic? It's not about God's protection anymore. It's all about his care and his nurture. I wanna say an absolutely not. And that brings me into my uh, last point. When we accept the invite to dwell in his presence, we receive rest in his power. Our God is a protector. He is a refuge. We can call on him in times of trouble. He is able to protect us. He is able to comfort us. And so because he is able, we run to him every time. What happens in that, se in, in that season is up to him, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna keep our faith in him. I don't feel like what's happened with my mom, early days, I was obviously still, still wrestling with this, but today I can honestly say I'm gonna look to God to protect me every single time. But I'm also gonna know if something comes my way that I didn't anticipate, I have somebody that's gonna comfort my heart, that's gonna speak into the depths of my being. There are three names of God used in the psalm and uh, when we read the names of God, it gives us a little bit of a clue and an understanding of his character and how amazing he is. And these names uh, give us some insight into the fact that he, he cares for us, but he's also powerful. And that's why we can lean on him and run to him as our refuge. Yeah, are the names uh, that you see in the psalm. Verse 1, El Elyon, the God most high. The God who's sovereign owner and creator of heaven and earth. Could you and I be in any, any better hands than in the maker of heaven and earth's hands? Then in verse one also, it's uh, the name for God, El Shaddai, which means he is the Lord. He is the God Almighty. When you read commentaries, this is what it said. It is God, God is a strong one who is able to deliver and the tender one who nourishes and satisfies, the God who supplies my needs. I think sometimes we always think of tangible things, get out of the situation things when we think about God supplying our needs, but we have some emotional needs often too. And God's saying today, he wants to supply those needs as well. Verse nine, we read the name for God, Jehovah. He is the Lord self-existent, and yet the one who reveals himself. When Moses uh, had to go to the people, he asked God, who do you say that I am? Ah, yeah, who am I gonna tell the people that you are? And God said, I am who I am. God was revealing himself to Moses, and he's revealing himself to us today, another facet of who he is. 
What is this uh, God who is most high, almighty, all-powerful have to say in this uh, psalm or yeah, some things? He says, I will save him. In other words, deliver, rescue, bring to safety, if it's not an immediate deliverance or rescue, but bring to safety, experience his victory, this side of death, or ultimately the other side. He says, I will protect him, I will answer him. In other words, respond to and speak to. I will be with him in trouble. So in afflictions and in distress, he'll be with us. I will honor him. I love this. I love this because sometimes we feel like I've loved God so well and now how's, how's this ended up happening in my heart? I will honor him when God says he will honor us. He's saying our love for him through every season will never prove to be in vain. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to hear that today, that the love that you've continued to have for him will never be in vain. Just keep your eyes on him. Keep looking to him. Look to him for your strength. And then he says, with long life, I will satisfy him. He'll give us abundant life. And so if we accept the invite to dwell, he will receive us, we will receive his nurture, and we will receive rest in, the, in his power because he is powerful. I'm sure there are people sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I've been through a difficult season, I'm going through a difficult season, all kinds of emotions are going on inside my heart right now, Vaughan. How do I move forward with this? How do I prepare my heart to celebrate Jesus and receive from him in this season when I'm feeling like this? Well, there are going to be a whole lot of questions that come up on the screen. Um, I would encourage you to take photos of it. There are going to be two slides. These are great questions to take into your personal devotions, particularly in this time of the year, as you choose to slow down and contemplate who Jesus is. I want to say this very clearly, though. This is not a once-off process. I ask this question, and next minute I'm fine. It is a process. It's not a once-off event, should I rather say. It is a little bit of a process. And so come to God again and again. Be real with him. That's all he's wanting you to do. But here are the questions. What situation came to mind as I was speaking today? Might very well be that God's wanting, he's putting his finger on that situation and those emotions in your life today. What feelings surface as you think about that situation? Rejection, lack of affirmation, abandonment, feeling unlovable, not valuable to anyone, maybe unseen, maybe pain and hurt surfaced. Next question, have you spoken to God about these feelings? Because we've been seeing throughout today that he cares about how we feel so we can speak to him about it. Have you poured your heart out to him? Have you asked him to come into that space in your heart that is hurting and minister his truth. What do you think he has to say to you? Are there any verses that come to mind? So as you're going through this in your personal devotions, maybe he's gonna put a verse on your heart that you remember. If that's not happening, happening, ask him to speak to you from his word, he will. Maybe not that day, maybe in a few days time, it doesn't matter, just ask him to speak into the situation. As he speaks to you, you might find you need to repent, forgive, give your burdens to him, Ask him for healing, whatever it might be for you.
So some questions I think will be helpful to, to take this aspect of dwelling in his presence and allowing him to be a refuge who will minister to our hearts, not just a refuge who will protect us, will really help. I want to end off on a story, and it's a story that happened to me uh, in this last month. Um, I went away on a retreat um, with an organization uh, that helps people uh, with discipleship and discipleship tools as they take steps through the effects that addiction has had on their lives, um, hurts that they've encountered, various troubles that they've faced. We carry scars as, as, as people. And so I went on uh, this retreat with them. I wanted to learn from them, see how they did it. They all gave me a questionnaire to fill in beforehand, um, and it was very thorough. And um, they asked, are you struggling with any addictions? I said, I'm not struggling with any addictions. What are you expecting to receive from this week? Well, I'm wanting to learn. But, um, but also, I have no doubt that God is going to put his finger on something in my heart. Because that's just the nature of God, right? Well, let me tell you, we had the first session. And after that first session, I already knew God was putting his finger on something in my heart. It was a pain that I've carried since 2008. And that pain has been scratched open and it's felt like it's been ripped open at times um, in, on two occasions since 2008. And so um, I knew God was speaking to me about that. We went into our group time. The leader asked, what has God put his finger on? I shared this. And their words uh, to me were, would you like to tell God about it? Would you like to bring this to God? Sure, wasn't too sure. I knew I wanted the pain to go, but I wasn't sure I wanted to bring this to God, right? But I did. This is what I said to God. God, I feel like you caused this pain. It had nothing to do with my mom, by the way, a completely different situation. I feel like you caused this pain. God, I know you can speak to people in any area of their life. And I know you can speak to me in this area, but God, I'm actually not keen. Speak to me in any other area. I don't want you near, because it feels like you've hurt me in this area, and it's been too long. I said, God, I've kept you at arm's length. Then the person leading said this to me. Would you like to ask Jesus to come into this area? I wrestled. I said, okay, I'm going to ask Jesus to come into this area. I was really simple about it. I just said, Lord, won't you come into this area of pain? I don't even know how to express it to you. I don't know how to verbalize it, but you know how much pain I've carried in this area. You know exactly what I feel like, and I just began to cry. Said to him, minister to the pain. Minister to me. Because I'm your child. And I know you love me. And then I thought to myself, probably not a good thing to be keeping distance between me and God, holding him at arm's length, blaming him. I said, Lord, I, I want to repent of blaming you. And then I said, Lord, I want to I forgive people that were uh, involved in part of that hurt. And I said, Lord, I want you to come into the pain. I want you to begin to heal the pain. 
the leader asked, is God saying anything to you? Maybe a verse that he's putting on your heart. I said he's not doing that right now, but I'm sure he will. A couple of days later, after one of the sessions, the leaders of this organization were busy praying for some, uh, for some ladies. Uh, the guys that were, uh, were joining in were just standing around the side, sitting uh, or praying, uh, sitting or pray, standing, but praying. Just praying for themselves, what God had been saying to them during that session. And I thought to myself, as the ladies were being prayed for, this is what God did on my, in, in my heart. I thought to myself, if that was Lorelei, my wife down there, or Kezia, my daughter, and she'd experienced some pain in whatever form that came, there would be nothing more than that I would want for them than for Jesus to reach into that pain. Wouldn't want them to carry that pain anymore. I knew that I might be able to point them in the right direction because I've been a pastor for many years, but I knew that if I were to do that, it would only take them part of the way. Jesus has to come into that area. And as I thought about them, I felt God saying, Vaughan, I'm wanting to do exactly that with you. I'm wanting to come into your pain. I'm wanting to come into your pain. He said, today I'm wanting to minister to the pastor's need. You see, I brought things to God in an intellectual way. Take care of it, God. I'll rest in your time in God, all of that stuff. But I've never allowed him to minister to the pain. There's some of you here today, you've done all the things logically, kind of in step right things, not wrong things. But you've never allowed him to minister to the pain. He's wanting to minister to your pain today. He's wanting to reach into the depths of who you are and say something to you. He's wanting to cover you with his feathers. He's wanting to cover you with his wings. He's wanting to draw you close. He's wanting to show you his compassion and his kindness because there's nobody else that really can. There's nobody else that completely understands exactly how you feel, even although you can try and put it into words. Only he does. He's the best at being able to meet us there. Take some time to dwell in his presence this uh, Christmas season. Take some time to let him minister to your heart. Be real with him. Don't rush it. Do it today, do it tomorrow again, do it the day after. Let it become something that you do all the days of your life because in his presence, we find refuge from trouble, but we also find refuge. Well, a refuge is willing to comfort us. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray for us. Started off today and I, I, I said, what do we do? How do we prepare our hearts when our hearts are broken, sad, full of cares, overwhelmed with worry and anxiety? How do I allow my heart to be prepared so I can receive Jesus this Christmas? Well, you've heard, as I've been speaking, God's been speaking to your heart. And I simply today just want to pray for us. This isn't a moment that God does this, it's a process. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to raise my hands. And uh, you might want to do that if, uh, if, if it's uh, related to you. I want to pray for us that God will just meet us where we're at. He's so good at that. Father, I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for each one of us here in this room. Lord, you know exactly what's going on in our hearts. You know exactly what's going on in our lives.
Lord, you can take care of the stuff that's happening in our lives, but you can also minister to our hearts. And Lord, I think sometimes that's what we need more than anything else. When our emotions are so tender and so broken, we need a God. We need somebody who's going to speak into that space and you're that someone. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us to do that as your people. As we think about the day that you brought peace and hope and life and courage and healing to this, this, this world. Lord, as we think about that, Lord, would you, would, would, would you minister to our hearts? Lord, I ask for that today. In Jesus' wonderful name, meet your people, meet us where we're at. Be our refuge, be our strength. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said, amen.